Welcome to Finding Holiness, where we delve into timeless Torah wisdom, revealing the sacred in everyday moments. Join us on a journey to elevate your spirituality and discover holiness in every aspect of life. I'm your host, Rabbi David Kadosh, and together, let's embark on a path of spiritual exploration. I hope you enjoy this next episode. Hello and welcome, my dear friends and listeners. I would like to share with you some ideas about the day that has just arrived, the day of Lagba Omer, because I believe there are some fundamental questions that need to be answered and clarified with regards to the purpose and meaning of this incredible day on the Jewish calendar. So tune in, relax, and enjoy what you're about to hear. There's an argument between Shulchan Aruch, Rabbi Yosef Karo, and the Ramah, Rabbi Moshe Israelis, who, by the way, also died on the 33rd day of the Omer. On when exactly did the students of Rabbi Akiva stop dying? According to the Ramah, that day was the 33rd day of the Omer. And therefore, from this point on, we do not practice any form of mourning. One can get married, one can shave, get a haircut. But according to the Shulchan Aruch, they still died on the 33rd day. And they didn't stop dying until the 34th day. And therefore, the customs of Avelut, mourning, continue until day number 34. It's a little bit difficult. According to the Shulchan Aruch, why don't we say supplications, tachanunim, on the day of Lagba Omer? We normally don't say confessions and supplications on days that we celebrate. I understand according to the Ramah, since because to him it's a day of happiness for the entire Jewish people, because the students stopped dying. But according to the Shulchan Aruch, the plague continued. So why don't we say any tachanunim? Question number two. Why is the death of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai different than the death of Moshe Rabbeinu, for example? On the seventh of Adar, the day Moshe Rabbeinu passed away, we say Tachanun. Many of the Hebra Kadisha even fast. And yet on the day of Rabbi Shimon's passing, there is none of that. Question three. I understand the studiers of Kabbalah and Zohar to have some sort of connection to Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. But most of us, not all of us, who don't make the Zohar part of their core curriculum. What connection do we have to Rabbi Shimon? If we study the Talmud, we might have a better connection to rabbis like Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Yehuda. But you don't see us celebrating their deaths. Why the Hilulam of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai? I would like to present for you tonight an amazing chidush written by the Kliyakar in connection to the words also by Rav Mipano. We will take a look at three individuals in history and connect the pieces and build the puzzle. The first person we're going to begin with is Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe ran away from Paro's house and came to the house of Yitro. Yitro also fled from Paro. Moshe saw with Ruach HaKodesh that his daughter would be his wife and wished to marry her, Tzipora. Yitro expressed his fear to Moshe that if he would take her as a wife, Paro would kill them both, since they both ran away from him. Nevertheless, Moshe pressed Yitro to marry his daughter, and Yitro agreed, but on one condition, that Moshe swear to him that his firstborn son would be a priest to idolatry. And Moshe indeed swore that he would do it. Question is, how could he do so? The Balaturim explains, that Moshe knew that Yitro would do Teshuvah and become God-fearing. And that's why he did it. 
he converted. Obviously, Moshe had no intent to place his son as priest of idolatry. His whole intent was for Yitro to agree to give him his daughter as a wife. And knowing that Yitro will turn to the good, he knew he wouldn't have to fulfill the oath that he took. Nevertheless, Moshe got punished that his grandson actually became a priest for Avodah His name was Yehonatan, the son of Gerashom, the son of Menashe, as brought down in the book of Shoftim. The Talmud says that he was really the son of Gerashom, the son of Moshe, not Menashe, but mentions Menashe because that corruption is linked to one who is corrupt in reference to the later Menashe in history who was evil and corrupt. So even though Moshe's intent was good, the fact that he agreed to such an oath caused a stir in heaven, and his grandson worshipped idolatry. Well, not quite so. You see, even his grandson, Yehonatan, like Moshe, didn't intend to serve idols. The opposite. He just delayed to influence the other people not to worship idols. Anyone that entered the house of worship, Yehonatan would chastise them. It's not proper for distinguished and respectable people like you to worship idols that were created yesterday. Nevertheless, there were people that thought it was permitted, and they worshipped it. Thankfully, the end of Yehonatan was good. The Gemara states that David HaMelech caused Yehonatan to do Teshuvah. Let's move on to personality number two. His name, Achia Hashiloni. It is said that he possessed the same Neshama as Moshe Rabbeinu. After Moshe and Shemuel Hanavi, Achia was one of the top prophets to ever live. He was a wise sage who was one of those who were saved from Egypt. He also lived at the time of the evil king Yerovam ben Nevat, after the Jewish kingdom was split into two. Hashem commanded Achia to appoint Yerovam as king over the ten tribes. Now as much as Yerovam turned out to be a wicked king, he was extremely bright. The Talmud says that all the wise men of Israel are like blades of grass compared to Yerovam ben Nebat. In fact, Hashem himself said, Me, you, and the son of Yishai, in reference to David, will travel to Gan Eden. The problem with Yerovam was an honor problem. He couldn't handle the fact that there were Jews that considered Rehovam, Shalomo HaMelech's son, as king. Not only that, Rehovam gets to sit in the Bet HaMikdash, while he who rules over 10 tribes, can't even sit there. So as a result, he decided to ban the Aliyah Laregel. No longer can Jews travel to Jerusalem for the holidays. He knew that nobody would listen to him, so he only accepted to be king if they agreed to what he says to do, even if he goes as far to request to serve idols. Here again, Yerovam did not really intend to teach a nation about idol worship, his intent was to impose his will that the nation listen to him no matter what he says. The Jewish people agreed, also not believing for one moment that they will actually serve Avodah Zarah. Yerovam signed the deal with this condition, and Achiyah Hashiloni, who was present but blind, did not see this condition. To the eyes of the people, it was clear that there was now a heter, a, pers- a permissibility to worship Avodah Zarah. This eventually caused an influx of idolatry and led to the destruction of the first Bet HaMikdash. As Achiyah, who contained the Neshama of Moshe, made his way to heaven, he was blamed for not correcting the flaw and blemish of Moshe when he made his oath to Yitro. 
he had an opportunity to correct the mistake, even though it was unintentional, but he didn't. Person number three. Last but not least, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. He was from the Neshama of Achiyah HaShiloni. Here's the famous story in Masechet Shabbat, an incident that took place when Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Yossi and Rabbi Shimon were sitting, and Yehuda ben Gerim sat beside them. Rabbi Yehuda opened and said, How pleasant are the actions of this nation, the Romans, as they established marketplaces, bridges, and bathhouses. Rabbi Yose was silent. But Rabbi Shimon bar Yochai responded and said, Everything that they established, they established only for their own purposes. They established marketplaces to place prostitutes in them, bathhouses to pamper themselves, and bridges to collect taxes from all who pass over them. Yehuda ben Gerim, who was listening, went and related their statements to his household, and those statements continued to spread until they were heard by the monarchy. They ruled and said, Rabbi Yehuda, who elevated the Roman regime, shall be elevated and appointed as head of the sages, the head of the speakers in every place. Rabbi Yosef, who remains silent, shall be exiled from his home in Judea, and as a punishment, be sent to the city of Tzipori in the Galilee. And Shimon, who denounced the government, shall be killed. Let's try to understand this for one moment. What did Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai gain by degrading the Romans? Was there any advantage whatsoever? At that point, wouldn't it have been better just to keep quiet? The answer is that his statement was the correction of Achiyah and Moshe's mistake. He chose not to give credence to the wicked, even if he didn't intend to mean it that way. What he said turned out to be a great tikkun for his neshama. This is the meaning of what we say and sing in the song, Va'amartem kolechai rabbi Shimon bar Yochai. There, there's a stanza, Makom bachar bishmaya im hanavi achiyah, a place he chose in heaven with the prophet achiyah. What's the connection between the two? The answer is, Rashbi, Rabbi Shimon bar Yochai, was the shorish of achiyah's soul, and he corrected that flaw. And achiyah was the root of Moshe's soul and he couldn't correct it when given the opportunity. Still, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai and his son had to sit in a cave and experience Gehinam in this world, his body bruised and cut all over, sitting in dirt the worst of the worst. He had only caribs because haruv comes from the word hurban. It's bad for the body. It's destructive for the body. There he learned Torah with his son Elazar, who according to the Arizal, was the reincarnation of none other than Yehonatan, the grandson of Moshe, who also made a mistake without intending to. And that learning in that cave for so many years completed the tikkun. Therefore, the celebration and happiness on Lagba Omer isn't just that it's the Hilula of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, but rather that the tikkun was completed. Everything which caused the destruction of the first temple, the horrible exile, was the sin of idolatry, and Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai came and fixed it. And now a new era begins. The era of the redemption. That's what we celebrate. The day of Lagba Omer hints to this because of the redemption and thus answers all the questions we began with. The happiness isn't about the death of the tzaddik. If it was, we would do a Hilula for Moshe and Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Yoseh. The Simcha is for the fixing of the Pegam that led to the destruction. And therefore, according to everyone, we don't say Tachanunim. Here's an interesting thought. The day of Moshe's death, the seventh of Adar, will always be the same day of the week as Lagba Omer. 
It's also the same day of the week that we welcome Moshe as our holy guest, Uspizin, on the holiday of Sukkot. Moshe went up to Har Sinai to receive the Torah only to find Bnei Israel build a golden calf and correspondingly broke the tablets. Now ask yourself again and think, what was the purpose of going up the mountain if only to break the tablets? Nothing was gained as a result. David HaMelech in Tehilim states, Alita Lamarom Shavita Shevi. You went up to the heavens and you returned Shevi. Shin Bet Yud is the acronym of Shimon Bar Yochai. Moshe succeeded by going up to the heaven to bring down the Neshama of Shimon Bar Yochai to address his flaw and fix his mistake. It is said that the Ari HaKadosh, Rabbi Yitzchak ben Shalomo Luria, was the reincarnation of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. Shevi is the same letters as Yitzchak ben Shalomo. At the age of 36, the Arizal said that he will come back down to this world and teach more holy teachings. He came back down in the body of the Rashash, Rabbi Shalom ben Yitzchak Sharabi. Guess what? Also Shevi, Shalom ben Yitzchak. And lastly, if you pay attention, there is no Tana in the Mishnah that is named with his father, except for Rabbi Shimon bar Yochai. Why is this so? We don't mention Rabbi Meir's name. We don't mention Rabbi, we don't mention Rabbi Yehuda's father's name or Rabbi Meir's father's name or Rabbi Akiva's father's name. Why is this so? Simple. Yochai, Shimon's father, contains the same letters as Achiyah. Rabbi Shimon was the Ben, the son of Achiyah, so that he can come to this world and fix Achiyah Hashiloni's flaw. From everything we said, we can learn two major lessons. Even Moshe Rabbeinu, even Yehonatan, his grandson, even Achiyah Shiloni didn't intend to sin. Nevertheless, things spiraled the way they did to teach us that every man is obligated to, be, to behave with a level of watchfulness and zehirut, not to chas v'shalom cause an evil influence on anyone or anything, even if that wasn't his intent. Sometimes, we do things and conclude that nothing has come from this. We say it was just a waste of time. We give up hope and we think that it was all for naught. We need to know that not always do we witness the results of what we do immediately. When Moshe broke the tablets, it seemed that his ascent to heaven was a total, total waste of time. But indeed, it wasn't. He brought down the holy soul of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. May the merit of the tzaddik Hatana Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, bless and protect all of Bnei Israel. Amen.